1: You have accessed Entry 539.JB1804, Certificate Number 25614. The Goodwill Moon Rocks.
0: I I noticed in the soft spots where we have footprints nearly an inch deep that the soil is very cohesive and it will retain a uh, slope of probably 70 degrees on the side of the now, one of the problems with us having such a voluminous reference work at this point is that I can't remember what's in the omnibus. Did we do the Goodwill Moon Rocks already? Well, I don't I know, think I know so. We didn't. But does the future know? Does the do the um, do the giant Heidi Klum tapeworms of the future know that man once, for maybe a year and a half, went to the moon? They must. And then got over. Oh, it?
1: maybe not.
0: Have I mean, we? T- I mean, have we mentioned the, the Apollo landings? We must have. Yeah. For many times, but I can't remember why we have, we've never done a show about moon conspiracies. Well, but we talked about um, we talked about V'ger and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did that show about Viger <laughs> No, you're right. We did the we did the probes. Yeah, uh,
1: I've got a space show coming up, but it's not about the moon. You're right. After if if there's another Greek Dark Ages, if the sea peoples
0: come, people could literally forget that man went to the moon. Yeah, well, they might forget writing. There might be kids right now in, in 2022 who forget that man went to the moon.
1: I feel like that's why we should terraform the side of the moon that faces Earth and put a big... check like, mark on it. Yeah, a big Coca-Cola sign no, or something. It,
0: it should be the check mark to be yeah. like, yep, Boom. we went to the moon and clearly never... Ha- I mean, the funny thing is, and one of the reasons why it's been memory-holed a bit is just how... What a funny bit it was. When was it a funny bit? To go to the moon... Yeah. the most astounding feat in human history, and then to quickly lose interest yeah. and then for 60 years, 50 years now at this point, never go to the moon again.
1: <laughs> I wonder if this is a thing that, that, yeah, that only exists in Generation X memory as the boomers die,
0: inshallah. It, it, it'll uh, soon be hotly contested. Not not in a conspiracy way, but just like, uh, the moon? I mean, I know we sent probes to Mars. I'm going to have to Google the moon, though. It might be a flat
1: Earth thing where, where people start to disbelieve there is a moon, first of all. <laughs> what was that Flat movie? moon theory. There, there was a movie not very long ago where the moon collided with the earth. Yeah. The dumbest movie pre, uh, pre- preview I ever saw. No,
0: it turned out to be scientifically accurate because it turns out that the moon is kind of a hollow paper mache thing oh. filled with aliens. What was keeping it up there in the first place? I'm going to say aliens. J- oh, aliens. <laughs> Yeah, and their jets, obviously. When the moon,
1: uh, when when Apollo landed on the moon, did it make a hollow sound?
0: Yeah, like, clunk. clunk. That was the real giveaway. <laughs> the astronauts are just walking around, knocking. Dong, like, this, dong, This can't be right. It also jiggled a little when they landed mm-hmm. on it, like it's hanging from a from a children's <laughs> bedroom ceiling. Uh, yeah, that's really interesting. I think about this all the time because
1: I don't know if you saw the Saudis now are planning. Wait a minute. There's one. A uh, Middle Eastern country that's planning. A, oh, it's Abu Dhabi. No, it's Emirates.
0: Okay,
1: same country. Yeah, but they are they're planning to uh, build a circular city. So the Saudis are going to build that linear city that goes what 100 miles through the desert, and it's going to be just a trench. It's like a it's like a Death Star trench.
0: Except, Is that what it's for? Except, so, you can, <laughs> so you can like <laughs> fly a fly a low flying plane through it.
1: I think they're designing it to basically be the Detroit airport where there's just a train that goes uh, the length of it and then comes back. Light rail is so much easier in a two dimensional plane. But it's weird. The Detroit airport's weird, right? Because you have to take a little elevator up to the train. And every time I'm there, I'm walking along and I'm like, I don't see a train. I'll just walk to the next one. You also have to know if you need to walk ahead or back to the train. Your your closest train may be behind you. So I just keep walking, and then I get where I'm going because it's not it's not like the Atlanta airport. Um, they
0: should really say, "Hey, here's a train." But also, if you just keep walking, you'll be a baggage claim in eight and a half minutes. Yeah, it's just and right. Up, it's just right up there. Because in the real world, nobody would take a train for that eight and a half minutes. Right? Every time you land at the Delta terminal at JFK. You have to walk like six no. miles. It's longer than most most regional airports. <laughs> the new the new Delta terminal. No, but so this Saudi city is built, and also they built in drama points. Cause it's got corners. Oh right. So you keep turning, thinking this must be it. No, right. There's, it- an, there's another <laughs> three thousand feet ahead of you.
1: It's the Ohio Turnpike theory of like gotta put a corner every once in a while. It's like
0: Disney uh, Disneyland lines where they're like you know.
1: People, oh, do they do that? Do yeah, they yeah, people won't people
0: won't riot if they if they can't sense how long the line is. Yeah. Anyway, but but so
1: this city uh, that there, we should probably do an omnibus on these uh, on these like uh, Arabian Peninsula cities that are trying to reinvent the wheel. Let's
0: do it right now. Okay, you have accessed Uh, (laughs) entry some number Arabian Peninsula cities.
1: But the one, uh, the one in Dubai is a is a giant hoop that goes around the entire city. It doesn't literally rotate, does it? Well, I don't think so. But it's elevated. It like it's, it's 200 feet in the sky, and it's a, basically a skyscraper, except it is a loop. And I looked at it, and I was like, it's the space station from 2001, which I have been waiting for.
0: Since 1974. But building it on Earth seems like a huge waste of the concept. <laughs> we right. already have gravity on Earth. I don't know if you the, the Emiratis know this. Yeah, I
1: don't think it rotates. I think it's just meant it's another version of like, well, what if the train just went around and... What if it was the Detroit airport, but it never ended? It was like a Ouroboros.
0: But putting, building a city 100 feet off the ground doesn't seem like the most efficient use of gravity.
1: I don't, I'm not
0: sure that... Isn't this just the kind of thing where... I mean, you offered me Halloween candy earlier because you had so much surplus Halloween candy. Yes. Is this the kind of thing where if you have so much surplus petrodollars, you're just like, maybe cities should be in the air? It, none of this has any value to me. I think all of
1: this has to—all uh, of, of it really raises the question, why does anyone live in the Arabian Peninsula? It should, there should be very small groups of Bedouin living in tents because that's all the environment can support. There should not be cities there at all, and they will be burnt out moonscapes one day when the water dries up, or when there's a there's a Greek Dark Ages again, and we forget how to write.
0: It's also possible that we're speaking to a like a, a near future audience would be like these guys are so dumb they don't know we're about to go back to the moon. Uh, right? There's there's now a push governmentally and non-governmentally to put human boots back on the moon and then Mars. If you had a chance to put boots on the
1: moon or terraform the equatorial regions so they became lush rainforests, which would you choose?
0: The equatorial regions of Earth or of the moon? Of Earth.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's... We'd have to do a lot more work Mm. on the moon,
0: too. Unfortunately, we are terraforming the tropics of the Earth and we're just desertifying it. So, Yeah. yeah, I feel like I would have to choose the second thing to be a humanitarian. But what if you could
1: do some gaming of the clouds and make the sahara into the
0: sahel sure yeah you'd do that wouldn't you it wouldn't be my, it wouldn't be sahel it'd be heaven see see that that's the billboard <laughs> ding it feels like the i mean increasingly the kind of the idea now now that space exploration is no longer associated with um, new frontier utopianism and instead it's associated with egotistical billionaires.
1: But aren't they trying to
0: make New Frontier utopian yeah, utopias? Yes, but they're not as good-looking as President Kennedy. Oh, that's With true. the result that we trust them less. And it just kind of... And, and increasingly, there seems to be some sense that it's all just a big boondoggle. Not the way in 1972 where NASA was like, look, we just don't have the money for this. Let's do Skylab. But literally more like, maybe this is... We assumed this was the future of the species and maybe it's the dead end of the species. Like, maybe we just need to... Protect our current ecology because there are built-in constraints to to extraplanetary colonization that just make it a non-starter. There, we're living
1: in a world where there are also one million Gil Scott Herons who would uh, who would be there'd be f- so many uh, whiteys on the moons that uh, the government couldn't even afford to.
0: Do but it, it would be such a such a focus tested um multiracial group of astronauts this time. I, I don't I don't think Gil would be fooled. Gil Gil still knows that's why he's on the moon, right? Yeah. I think so. Even if
1: you put like a bunch of people, you know, like uh like the polyphonic spree up there, like
0: <laughs> we'd like to lose <laughs> the
1: world. Yeah, up with people. Well I mean this really is, literally.
0: This is kind of the subject of today's show would be uh in in essence, the United States is the Nixon administration's propagandistic use of the apollo program in, in the early 1970s beat the,
1: beat the vietnamese what were they propagandizing
0: well just the idea that we're despite don't pay pay no attention to cambodia and chile uh-huh. there's a cold war on and you know who the good guys are it's us cuz check out the kind of symbolic gestures we are making overhead on on yield moon
1: now are you are you are you doing this show just because you like that tv show where where the us doesn't get to the moon first 100% <laughs>
0: I mean, that's it. For All Mankind actually tapes on the soundstage, like, maybe one or two over from Jeopardy. Really? Or films. Do you you ever tiptoe over there? I'm kind of wondering how I can swing it. Like, I want to go hang out at For All Mankind.
1: You know, I've been on that that lot, and although it does feel like if you went into the wrong building, somebody
0: might yell at you, it also feels like you could just go anywhere there, and there's not— there are no guards. I was just sitting at lunch the other day, and some people, some studio audience members who did not leave the lot when invited to do so, just kind of wandered over and kept asking for selfies. I w- so yeah, here's what I'm saying: sneak onto the Sony lot, and if you see, if you see Ken Jennings,
1: <laughs> I wandered he around will grudgingly,
0: but, take several pictures.
1: You know, I think I had a tie on, and I, as you know, I look like I belong everywhere. So I, yeah, I, I
0: traipsed around for a while. You don't look much like a studio exec. No, I can't see you in a thin lapeled... No. kind of suit but maybe you look a like a uh, suit. what do you look like i don't know who you look like on a studio lot
1: but like a union
0: representative I mean, yeah i mean or a um you're, you're kind of grizzled old camera guy at this point
1: yeah right
0: stage manager that's uh, one of the amazing material. things
1: about driving around la you're like who
0: are all these rich people <laughs>
1: and it's union cameramen isn't it
0: <laughs> yes for the most part but they all live up in ventura or yeah, right. Um, Dana Point or something. They've all got two-hour commutes when they when they have to work. Uh, why were we talking about that? Oh, yeah. So there is this current alternate history TV show, which imagines, you know, what if it's not a boondoggle? What if there's enough water on the moon to make that a go of it? And then there's hydrogen three, which makes fusion a possibility. Did I say fusion? You did say fusion. Fusion. That's my favorite kind of uh, Chinese fusion cooking. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Japanese chewy candy. Mm, I love a, I love a, I love mango and papaya flavored fujin, and then uh, is that a theme of for all mankind that there's water on the moon? Yeah, there's enough ice, and, which I thought was kind of accepted dogma, is now apparently pretty controversial. We don't know to what degree there's, is there trace water, just ice just at the poles? Is there enough that you could actually sustain human colonization? All up in the air until. Jeff or Elon get their ask, act together.
1: Was it a thing where somebody ripped the letter A off of their letter sh- sweater and turned Whitey on the moon into water on the moon?
0: <laughs> well, as a moment's thought <laughs> will reveal, you'd need an R. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you, Letterman never has a spare spare letters to get rid of. Right, he covers them up. But I mean, every time he comes, every time he shows up, he's got a different letter on his letter it's sweater. That's true, and he always has the right one. Mm. Letterman somehow is either maybe planning the crimes he solves,
1: yes, or, or...
0: has. Earth theory. Sees time as a four-dimensional hypercube <laughs> and can tell which letter is going to be necessary. You know, we we, we annoy and alienate a hundred people every time we mention Letterman. Why? Oh, all the they're like, th- Yeah, because they're like, what are they talking about? <laughs> Taking the letter A from his varsity sweater. He turns whitey <laughs> into back into water. water. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Sorry, Millennium's. This is what you signed up for. I'm going to do a Millennium's show next week. So oh. so they, they get no... We can guarantee no electric company references next week. I don't know. Um, Put a pin in it. We'll see. So, so, so maybe... And maybe the good thing about the billionaires going to space is that they'll experience what the... I think Bezos has already said this, that he experienced what astronauts call the overview effect. Yeah, right. Just the idea that... A big blue marble in space. Look, we're all just so fragile and we're all... There's no... You know there's no boundaries... Up there, John. Yeah. Except Have for, you heard? Except for
1: rivers and oceans, <laughs> <laughs> anybody that's ever tried to get across the Eem
0: for some reason the astronauts never noticed that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently there's this near universal psychological effect that everybody in space gets where, even if they are already kind of starry eyed, we need peace, give peace a chance, kind of folks, it really just drives it home in a visceral way that this is an urgent. Cause the the urgent cause of our time.
1: I love that you're both sides in billionaire space programs.
0: Well, I'm just clinging to the fact that maybe the the way to save them, Ebenezer Scrooge style, you don't send Elon Musk three ghosts and tell him to sell Twitter to the um, to the Human Rights Coalition. Right. You you send him into space and either a hope he doesn't come back. Right. Or or B, hope that his heart grows three sizes that day when he has the overview effect.
1: Yeah, but the problem is those those tech billionaires already have the overview effect. They just think it's a crypto universe <laughs> that they're going to uh, r- remove all borders.
0: They just think all these borders are gone and therefore I should be yeah, right. the, 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 the Federation of Planets. I'm going to hack this whole border thing. I'm going to hack the overview effect. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we now think of, uh, the moon mission as having these utopian lofty goals as, um, articulated by President Nixon, all the plaques. Right. I read today that, you know how it it does not say what date that astronauts landed. It just says July, 1969. And I, and I think one of the reasons to do that was in order to be able to more plausibly say A.D. to sneak some religion onto the plaque. Does it say A.D.? It does say, yeah, it does say, you know, July in 1969 A.D. Because I guess maybe if you do the whole date, it sounds weird to add AD. But if you just kind of do the year, to, to, uh, whose conspiracy theory is that? Probably the atheists. Yeah. Well, Madeline Murray O'Hare sued when they did uh, when they sang a Christmas carol or something, and that's actually what scared um, Buzz Aldrin, who was some kind of Presbyterian elder, back into the closet. He took communion on the moon. Oh, but it was secret. But he did secret. He didn't get on the mic and be like, uh, Houston, "I'm br- the, preparing the second wafer." Removing the wafer from the foil packet. Uh, he just like, quietly, you know, well-behaved religion. Right. Just take your wafer. Don't, you know, don't call Jerry Falwell or the New York Times. Do you think the
1: transubstantiation happens <laughs> Does it work on more the quickly because there's less interference between <laughs> you and heaven? Right? There's not all that atmosphere. Maybe it's the lower gravity that helps.
0: Right. I Boom! Mean, I mean, it's also possible if you believe... Um, for example— But Presbyterians don't believe in transubstantiation, or do they? Probably mm, less I mean,
1: so. Yeah, why are you taking communion in, 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 so. in that case?
0: I mean, if you believe, for example, that uh, Jesus has salvific power over the whole galaxy, it's possible that, um, you know, he looks like a different alien in every world. He looks like a Jabba the Hutt on Tatooine. Oh. And he looks like a Ewok on the forest moon of Endor. Interesting. And so maybe which, you know— the wafer turns into whatever kind of of space messiah you're localized for. Oh, yeah, sure. So if you take a wafer on the moon, you don't know what you're ingesting.
1: Here's a, here's a question, you, and I'm sure you're the best you're the best person to answer this. A hundred percent on if, Earth. If you are in heaven. Is there, are there places like under heaven that you can't see? Like, Do you have to like like infrastructure, like access tunnels and whatnot? Yeah, or 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 just like places in the universe where you would have to have a hole in the floor of heaven to look at those places. Is there I mean heaven's got a flat floor, it right? It does.
0: In Talmudic literature, you can actually see the um top of Jacob's ladder sticking up through the ground. Oh, there you go. And you can see the machines that God uses to sprinkle manna. Uh huh. So there does seem oh, to be that's some. That's a machine. Well, I don't know if they would call it a machine, but yeah, whatever the the device is, the mana sprinkling uh, miracle box, you can see that. The implication seems to be that there's a layer of heaven, and then below yeah. that there's sky. So you don't want to drill through; you'd be like Wily e. Coyote, right? Just standing on, <laughs> finding out you're on a cliff. But like, what if what if there's a planet? Like, what if Endor
1: just is behind the throne of God? So you'd have to look around it to see it which would be weird right you know, like you wouldn't have you wouldn't that wouldn't be cool like you're craning your neck around the throne to see like what the
0: I mean if the god galaxies has a that are behind located in heaven in three dimensional space something's behind it yeah something's behind it's it it's like an arena show where do you seat people back there do you put up a curtain does the stage rotate is there a is there are there monitors so that the people with bad seats can get can see the almighty um i think we just have to assume that How many angels can dance on the head of? (laughs) It's a higher dimensional space. Heaven's a tesseract. Okay, gotcha. Which means you know you look in directions we don't have names for, and you can see every planet in God's creation. Right. Does that does that answer your question, John? I don't want to leave any theological uh, uncertainty here. It's a. This is clearly the right answer. (laughs) It's a tesseract. So, so there's dimensions we can't even name. Yeah. you, You can see every point in the universe from heaven.
1: So it's a it's basically it's located
0: outside the the n-dimensional crystal that is our space time. Should should the should a wrinkle in time then be our, our
1: our guide? I think it has been mine this whole time. Does that mean Mrs. I didn't even realize it. you worship Mrs.
0: What's it? <laughs> I think I think I am Charles. <laughs> uh, I always thought I was the normal kid. I what? was the funny thing is I was Charles. What's his name? Charles. Um, uh, Charles Nelson, Charles Riley. Martin, Charles Nelson Riley. Yeah. I thought I was Charles Nelson Riley, but I'm really like the normie kid next door who's like, you, you, uh, Murrays are weird. Calvin, I'm a Charles uh, Murray, right? But doesn't he have a middle name? Charles with, Wallace. There we go. There Charles, Wallace.
1: Charles Wallace. He Charles Wallace. He was that uh, Louisiana senator that got shot, caused all that problem.
0: Um, so there's this, um, you know, it's this uh, propaganda arm to the. Uh, in fact, the the moon mission was a propaganda. Mission. It was uh, ouch. I, I I hate to say it, but Kennedy is on record many times uh, in his presidential run and early in his presidency is not really caring about the moon. Uh, it's only after Bay of Pigs it appears that uh, the new frontier becomes a lunar frontier specifically. And then he tells us we have to do it because it's hard. And the re- you know it's kind of easy to read the tea leaves there and to think, you know. The Cold War wasn't going well for his administration or for the nation. They both need a win. Maybe this is the thing. You know, we're tired of taking all these Sputnik era things on the chin. In his campaign, he would say things like, why are the dogs in space named Strauka and Belka instead of Rova or Fido or even Checkers? He had a, he had a laugh line where he would name Nixon's dog.
1: That's pretty good. That's a really good Kennedy, I love it when you do
0: that. You always say that, and it's really not. No, you should do it all the time. Should I do the whole episode like this?
1: My, my, uh, my daughter just did a, a thing at her school called Historical Halloween, where they pick a person and then learn all about them and then do a presentation.
0: It's to keep the kids from dressing as zombies when they could be dressing as Susan B. Anthony.
1: Yeah, and so she picked JFK this year. And I was like, interesting. She did a wonderful job, I, I have to say.
0: Her speech only made it her presentation only lasted through three quarters of it's allotted but playing. she
1: but she uh, oof um, too soon but she practiced her kennedy uh impression and then decided not that it was too
0: see and that's then that's what I need to do every time it comes up on Omnibus. I need to that's a good impulse I think never never do the impression that's, never do it never just do practice it. it, but never do it exactly and always know you can have the yeah. peace of mind that comes with. Having a really good Neil Young or Carol uh-huh. Channing or whatever it is you want, but don't do it. I uh, I I made
1: too many test stores models of Saturn V rockets to accept that it was all a propaganda stunt.
0: Well, there is certainly the technological aspect. Like you know, it's a very real problem if engineering wise you are falling behind the Soviet Union. Right. But but that's to me that's what that's what explains the Moon Race is really we should have the rocket technology and all the rest you You don't think it's the culmination of human ambition here's my evidence for this there was no actual scientific uh and you know certainly yes there is this the question is is that symbolic exclamation point um more useful as a humanitarian tool or as a Uh, patriotic symbol. Oh, I mean, just in terms of why climb Mount Everest? Oh, sure. Why go to the bottom of the ocean? It's very easy to defend, but here's the question. Why do you go to the bottom of the ocean? Is it just because it's hard? Uh, There was no actual scientific mission Mm. for the Apollo astronauts until fairly late in the program. It was a NASA engineer named Max Faget who famously said at one point, look, it wouldn't look very good if we went to the moon and don't have something to do when we got there. So this whole thing about... Look ge-
1: for the black obelisk.
0: The whole thing about geology and sol- and lunar samples and rock samples was not uh, a part of the program. It was stapled on later just so that we wouldn't land there and then be like, well, we got to go home in <laughs> 21 and a half hours. <laughs> and we've put out the flag and the children's letters to God. Uh, so, w- so was the theory that the moon
1: was a big blob of lava that came off of the earth, did that...
0: Exist? No. In fact, really good science did end up coming off Apollo 11 just because of this accidental discovery that, oh, we need to give them some little chemistry sets to do up there or it's going to look dumb as hell. Uh-huh. Um, the, uh, you know, Neil and Buzz were on the moon for about 21 and a half hours on Apollo 11. I think about seven hours of that is rest period. Um, so they had about 14 hours on the surface and one of the first things they did seven minutes in was collect a soil sample i think uh i think it's armstrong he attaches it to his belt so just in case they have to get out of there in a hurry and can't do the rest of their checklist at least they're going to bring you know they're going to hustle back into eagle or whatever or which one takes off eagle landed eagle lands but Lem or the command the command module stays up Lem. Lem.
1: lunar exit module
0: yeah probably <laughs> Are, well i it never occurred
1: to me did they go into the Lunar module and go to sleep for seven hours? How could you
0: be on the moon and go to sleep? The funny thing is that they, they were scheduled to have a rest period right after they landed. The, oh, origi- right. the original schedule is like, and then you'll rest for four hours. And, you know, these guys are test pilots and they're yeah. like, the hell we will. <laughs> we're going to start getting ready. And the funny thing is, you know how long it took them to get ready to get out? About four hours. <laughs> like Really? Yeah, they end up not, not um, setting, doing the footprint for another four hours just because... They had to get their belts tightened. Everything was slower. And that included the um all the samples. They had scoops and tongs, so they could lift up powdery stuff. And- scoops and tongs is my is uh my legal representation. <laughs> scoops <laughs> scoops and tongs, attorneys <laughs> of law. Uh it sounds like two two devils in a in a very tired C.S. Lewis work or something. Scoops and tongs. Scoops and tongs, they just want you to sin, John. Um they also had hammers and core tubes, so like metal cylinders that they were going to hammer into the moon's surface. Uh-huh. The problem was all this stuff, you can't bend over in those suits. There's the gravity problems. All of it was much more cumbersome than anything they had tested for. Um, and so they had these, some of these core tubes on some of these missions were designed to go like 70 inches down. They were oh. long telescoping things. But every time they hit it with a hammer, they bounced Boing. Uh, six feet in the air. They fly <laughs> into space. <laughs> Uh, no, the moon, they, they popped a hole in the hollow moon. Oh, of course. And, and, the, and went... <laughs> uh, no, like at one point, like Neil realized, he, Armstrong and Aldrin realized they could not get more than six inches down. So they were getting very shallow core samples. But they brought home like almost 50 pounds of rock, 49 point something pounds of rock. And immediately they Built changed, a sandcastle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were trading rocks uh, <laughs> in, the, in the command module on the way home. Michael Collins was like, well, I don't have any rocks. You need to give me one of your Aggies. <laughs> No, uh, scientists immediately see that it's basalt, a volcanic rock, an igneous rock, right. and breccia, a rock that gets, w- w- you know, what happens when an uh, igneous rock gets shattered? Tell me. Um, well, you get breccia. Oh, Sorry, breaking. that was a... It's right there in the name. That was not a question. That was like a, a positive phrase or some kind of subordinate clause. Um, and they were dated to 3.7 billion years old. Okay. So suddenly the moon, which we had thought well, maybe it's just some blob of undifferentiated cosmic debris suddenly we know that it's it was once a big magma ocean so that changes all our science and is kind of the beginning of our modern day theorizing that maybe it was the earth's core that got hit with a yeah a b- blobulator earth gets impacted by some kind of giant marsh sized thing right. a bit of it bloops out You know, and then the spinning and the gravity makes it back into a sphere as it cools. Mm -hmm. And then we didn't even know if the craters on the moon were volcanic or not. And the fact that they were brachia, they were caused by impact, proves that they were all meteorite Meteorite. impact. And 3.7 billion years was an eye-opener because that was older than any Earth rock we had at this point. So now the moon has an age, and it's incredibly old. Um, Later missions came back with rakes and electric drills. Um, We were essentially taking these most of them hotshot test pilots and making them act like quarry miners in uh-huh. the, in the world's worst. The quarry men quarrying order, the quarry men, if mm. you will. Uh, and, and they didn't like it. We did not send a geologist until Apollo 17. The very last mission was well, by me. I mean, we, I mean the human race. We, yes. I don't speak for the Nixon administration and I'm not, not speaking as an American here. Um, we sent the first geologist, Harrison Schmidt, Who was Um, actually interested
1: in moon rocks while the other guys played golf.
0: Well, that's kind of the funny thing. That actually happened. Because all these guys were just, you know, because the mission had been set up to just, like, beat the Ruskies. And then with the science kind of, the geology tacked onto it, you know, obviously they were all test pilots. They were all military guys. And when a few scientists got added to the program, they were like, what? You know, there was a chemist in the the command module on Apollo uh, 12. And then there was this geologist guy, Jack Schmidt, on Apollo 17. And what
1: would they even talk about?
0: Uh, exactly. They can't and- talk about tailhook. <laughs> yeah, they were always talking about tailhook. <laughs> the astronomers, or the astronomers, the the military, the test pilot astronauts had to go to these geology classes, and they hated it. It nice. was like guys writing on the board, Feldspar, you know, F-E-3, 2 you know. Writing all these formulas, and the astronauts are dutifully writing these down because they're military, and they're just like this straight up sucks. Did you take college geology?
1: I did not. I did, and I really enjoyed it. But you you couldn't be an astronaut. Well, but it's um the it's the problem with a lot of that college science where two years later I couldn't remember a single thing. But at the time, I was
0: like, oh my god, I know it all now. I feel like if you'd got into it, you would have found by the second year classes, you're like. This sucks now. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's the intro to the science that's super fun. And then advanced geology? Nah. But you know, like... It, I'm going wa- to hear from geologists.
1: Washington now. and Oregon are so full of interesting geological things that it just felt like, oh, field trip. Check it out. Ken, I'm, I'm planning on hiring uh, uh, some assistants and employees, but I don't want to do all that HR baloney people. Today are so hard to manage.
0: They're going to be coming up to you and saying, uh, "You know, Ray always eats his lunch in the uh, uh, ventilation duct, uh-huh. and the smell just gets in the to the whole building." It feels like eighty percent
1: of what HR does is lunch complaints.
0: It's related to liverwurst in in mm. many cases.
1: Mm. And but uh, somebody's always stealing somebody else's jar of honey.
0: Right. And sometimes these are serious issues and, you know, a small business owner might be out of their depth and sometimes they're stupid issues and a small business owner gets <laughs> fed up with that crap. Well, so
1: what uh, What are my options if I don't want to do this? This feels like, a, like almost a deal breaker.
0: In both cases, for problems large and small, you can basically outsource your HR manager position to Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E. It's an outfit that's available by phone, email, and real-time chat to handle all your HR needs from onboardings and terminations to performance reviews to staying compliant with HR regulations. They do it all.
1: So so this isn't just about if somebody steals my honey. This will include things like sexual harassment and and uh, like absenteeism.
0: Yeah, you can just automate like so many of these important HR practices, you know, setting up the o oh, your own policies and training and feedback that your business needs. You get a dedicated HR manager, a U.S.-based person who has expertise on all these issues, whether it's uh, sexual harassment or what was the other one? Stolen honey. Uh, stolen honey. These are your two main concerns.
1: Well, what, what, if, I, what if I need help in real time I, and I don't want to email with somebody?
0: Can I get them on the phone? Phone, email, chat. This is the kind of thing that would cost you 80 grand a year if you had to hire for it. But if you just use Bambi, that's $99 a month. Will this help me stay compliant? With regulations, like, like I don't have time to read all that paperwork. I mean, that's the kind of thing why, you, that's why you need somebody with expertise. Like, small business owners kind of sometimes feel like they're out of their depth. You need to schedule a free conversation today, and you'll be surprised to see how much Bambi can take off your plate.
1: You spend way too much time dealing
0: with HR when you should be spending your time making a profit. If this speaks to you, go to Bambi.com slash Omnibus right now.
1: That's B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Omnibus. Bambi.com
0: slash Omnibus. The astronauts did take field trips. That's what saved it. So there was at first, there's all this bad blood like, really, we got to take this Jack Schmidt guy and turn him into an astronaut? This is bull. So all these kind of um, right stuff, aviation bar guys are... Think this geologist is going to hold him back? And Schmidt is like, you know what? You know what we're going to do? We're going to make science fun. Wow! He becomes the Bill Nye of NASA and says, "Look, let's all take field trips. Let's go to Iceland and see what a moon-like volcanic landscape looks like. Let's go to Arizona and go to that Beringer Crater and look at what meteor impact breccia looks like." Who empowered empowered this uh, uh,
1: this geologist to like all of a sudden? take over this space program yeah why are
0: geologists (laughs) running the space program (laughs) geo means earth buddy stay in your lane apparently nobody else cared that much and he brought in his own mentor like his academic guy a professor named i think leo silver who had who is kind of had kind of been his inspirational you know geological guide and this guy was like here's how we make it fun boys we're going to iceland and then the funny thing is, it turned out to be we need a movie about this, with the training yeah. montage where the astronauts get super into science and are like, Professor Silver, Professor Silver, I found one of these. Is this mica? No, Buzz, that's petrified wood. But you're doing great. Keep keep at it. Uh, so the astronauts gradually became trained geologists and got into it to the point where the mission, the Latin mission motto of Apollo 13 was Ex Luna Scientia, from the from out of the moon come science like they had really come around to you know we're kind of futurists yeah and this is our job now it's no longer just kind of macho flight jacket stuff but how much of that was like we're gonna mine the moon <laughs> i wonder yeah you don't really i mean at the time it was so impractical to get stuff back and to this day it is yeah. you know when you hear a billionaire talk about how we'll just put all the industry in space but if it's full of diamonds well then or we, platoon- you plutonium you slip some into your pocket yeah or Hydrogen 3, that's the premise of our of our favorite mm. Apple Plus show that's not Severance. Um, all told, the six missions, well, wait, is it six if you count Apollo 13? No, it's six if you leave out 13. The six missions that landed on the moon uh, brought home 842 pounds of stuff they didn't leave with. Moon, regolith, and core samples, and all the rest.
1: Um, There's at least that much Chinese food left over in my fridge right now. Earth got 842 pounds fatter
0: uh-huh. in the early 70s.
1: Except we kept leaving all that space debris on the moon, Although, Oh, that's true. All the landers. It was so a trade-off.
0: I wonder- But then Elvis is getting heavier at the same time. Yeah. So it's hard to say where the, what the equilibrium is. No, people are going to yell. Elvis obviously was using molecules that already existed on Earth. And he returned to the soil. He was not eating regolith. Um, on December 13th, 1972- Eugene, Shernan and, Eugene Cernan and um, Jack Schmidt, the Apollo 17 landing guys, are completing what turned out to be humanity's last gasp on the moon. 72. 50 years ago. We talk about committing to the bit. It yeah. would be like inventing the telegraph and then being like, yeah, the Pony Express is more fun. Uh, is this episode
1: coming out right on the 50th anniversary of oh, of this event? Holy
0: shit. Yeah, we're like two weeks away. This comes out in mid-November, yeah, December 13th. We are like less than a month away from the 50th anniversary anniversary of man actually decamping, getting, getting his act together. Sorry, the human race.
1: Um, Well, you know, we were going to build an airplane that made it all easy to go back and forth, reusable airplane, right? We didn't intend to never go to the moon again.
0: No, but I think in 72, by this point, Apollo 18, all those missions had already been canceled. Yeah. I mean, nobody nobody would have... I mean, I think if you had pulled it, nobody would have said, we will not and should not go back to the moon for 50 to 100 years. But it was clear that the public's interest in the mission was fading and all the money had been diverted by Congress and NASA had decided, well, we'll say Skylab's the future and see if nobody notices. And so it's kind of bittersweet. These guys are leaving what is now the last scheduled moon mission and they pick up a brick-sized rock... Uh, sample number 70017, and uh, this is part of a prearranged PR campaign. Uh, Gene Cernan says, you know, to an audience of nobody, this is no longer live telecast, we'd like to share a piece of this rock uh, with so many of the countries throughout the world. He talks about, you know, representative little children from all over the world have been brought to Houston as punishment. <laughs> Zing. Gotcha Texas. Uh, no, they've brought Houston so they can kind of represent the various it's an it's a small world thing. Mm-hmm. They're all at Johnson Space Center and uh, the idea is that this rock is going to be partitioned among is going to return to the nations of the world with these little junior ambassadors.
1: With this rock, I V unite. I V unite the entire world. So um, they're going to take this brick mm-hmm. and they're going to split it up into 300 pieces for all the nations of the world. Does does Equatorial Guinea get a little
0: piece? There is an approved list and I believe Equatorial Guinea is not on it. Let me see if I can find the list. Boo. Equatorial Guinea had only been independent for four years. Oh. So you'd think it would be on the list. But in fact, the Nixon administration announces uh, that there is an approved, there is an approved list that uh, 135 countries will be getting a little tiny fragment of this moon rock. Um, And each of the 50 U.S. states will receive one as well. Now, it turns out this is not the first time this had happened. Uh, There was a similar Apollo 11 initiative where one of the moon rocks from the first mission had gone out, I think, to the same approved, democracy-loving group. Broken up into little pieces. Yes, broken up into... And put it, put under glass. I've got great news for you, John. Equatorial Guinea is on the list. Yeah, the they so- deserve it. The Soviet Union, interestingly, is not. They can get their own moon rocks. Well, they can, but China can't, and China's not on the list. There does seem to be an effort to um, to you know uh, exclude the the other girls. Well, look, except we got Eastern Europe, Poland. We always were trying to make make all up to Poland, Bulgaria, Romania. I mean, it's not clear what qualifies you for uh, for this. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's alphabetized weird. China is on the list. Okay. So it's pretty universal. It seems like maybe maybe some dictators are not allowed. Zaire is not on this list, for example. Um, I'm sure, who were your worst dictators in 1972?
1: Oh, so many. It's Starting to, with Nixon. It's
0: got to be left wing. yeah. <laughs> not counting him and all his approved ones in Bolivia or wherever. Um, I mean, Mobutu's pretty bad. Pretty Let's see, bad. Idi Amin. No, Uganda's on the list. I'm probably off with the dates.
1: This is when Ceausescu was still like uh, like buddies with everybody. Yeah, Ceausescu's kept, our buddy. Yeah.
0: And interestingly, Ceausescu is part of our story because these all make their way back to the various heads of state. They're mounted on these little—a uh, the a 1 to 1.5 gram sample of the moon rock that um, Gene Cerna picked up is encased in a little lucite ball mounted on a wooden plaque— uh with a little flag of the of the nation or state, and uh I believe all the flags had been to the moon, oh, like cool, like Apollo seventeen had brought little mini flags mm-hmm. up with them in their in their kit, and so this is here, hey, Canada, here's a Canadian flag that's been on the moon. Hey, Mozambique, here's a mozambiquean flag
1: and if these heads of state look into the moon rock, does sauron
0: <laughs> look <laughs> they, back? they can all see each other and the uh and the watcher. Uh-huh. Uatu, who's on the moon service, um, not acting, but merely observing. Uh, and then there's a plaque that says, This fragment is a portion of a rock from the taurus Littrow Valley of the moon. It is given as a symbol of the unity of human endeavor and carries with it the hope of the American people for a world at peace. Um, the thing about the plaques is they look chintzy as hell. If, yeah. if If you look at pictures of them, I mean, in general, maybe, you know, we know what basements looked like in 1972. Yeah. And this plaque very much has the same kind of paneling Plattery vibe, paneling. and maybe it just looks like what your little league trophy would have looked like in '72. But just, does it have like a singing bass fish on it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> just it, take those old records off the shelf. It's
0: got a Richard Nixon that turns his head to you and <laughs> sings, "Don't worry, be happy." Uh, the uh, but just the you know the gold the typeface isn't in inla- To me, it looks worse than a sports trophy of the era. And yeah. I know I'm, I'm a little younger, so I'm picturing a late '70s. Sports trophy, you know, Pinewood Derby or, or Little League or whatever. What are what are they called? Uh, just look I up. Look up one. Maybe Apollo. The uh, Wikipedia entry is Apollo 17 lunar sample display. Although the rocks are usually called the Goodwill Moon Rocks. Oh,
1: look at those!
0: The plaques are kind of. Um, I mean, yeah, those- I'm sure they're not just cut out pieces of paper, rubber cemented onto a a, a piece of ply, varnished plywood. Do you believe varnished? Would but it no, they, looks like they are yeah they it's do. not gold inlay lettering or anything it feels like
1: it should say a clean desk is the sign of a sick mind underneath it or how am i supposed to work
0: sore with the <laughs> eagles if i have to work with the turkeys it's kind of got this sans serif font that like you know world book encyclopedia might use for a sidebar the the,
1: the type written text looks like it was typed with a
0: selectric on a piece of paper and then cut out and, and, with scissors, and that must not be what it is. Are we just seeing the light catching a plaque wrong? It looks really chintzy. No, because because I, I can the, see the, the angles are not right angles. Yeah, right? I can see that it's not even. It's like the, like like somebody somebody at the State Department's doing this with a paper cutter. Yeah, and then it's kind of funny. Richard Nixon's name is in capital letters. Yeah, although you know none of the, none of the stuff about a world of peace is. Um, He's I, the biggestest. It's his signature, I guess. Um, he's got less than a year to go at the time these go out, but these are sent to 135 countries in all 50 U.S. states, and you know uh, it, it's pretty much the um, it's the same list I think as went out to with the Apollo 11 plaques. So there are now 270 of these total on the international uh, scene, and U.S. states have a total of 100. Um, NASA gave up. Well, let me tell you this: the interesting thing about these is that. Most of them are now missing. Huh? Um, I think of the 270, maybe only uh maybe 160 are gone of the international ones. 160 are just unaccounted for and cannot be located by anyone. Aren't moon rocks worth a lot of money? That's what makes this all interesting. Moon rocks have never been sold on the open market. Well, only once have have has any moon material been sold on the on an international market legitimately there is actually. US law forbidding the sale of the following kinds of space artifacts uh anything from the Apollo 1 fire oh yeah anything from Challenger right. anything from Columbia and a moon rock those are the four things you cannot legally trade in um, so the only time these ever sold was like a, there was an authorized the Soviets authorized the sale of like um like point two grams of Russian moon dust that had been probably been brushed out of a of a pretty dodgy Soviet suit at some point, and they they went on, in nineteen ninety three. They went on some Sotheby's auction. Point two grams of dust went for four hundred forty two thousand five hundred dollars. Wow! So all these
1: plaques that got thrown into a desk drawer somewhere and taken home by a executive secretary are sitting in a den in. In uh, Lagos.
0: NASA gave up title to them and considers that this is not their problem. NASA's like, hey, these were freely given to the state governments and the and the heads of state of the world. This is now their problem. We're not going to enforce this. But there is reason to believe that because there have been no open sales, that there might be, these might be incredibly valuable artifacts. The The benchmark that's usually used is between 5 and $10 million. And that comes from what I can tell is an unsubstantiated story about Nicaragua's. Goodwill Moonrock, which was uh, in this version of the story sold to a wealthy Middle Eastern potentate of some kind for between five and $10 million. Uh, the story later got out, apparently, when that same Moonrock got into the hands through resale of a Vegas casino owner who I think at some point displayed it. He had like a Moonrock Cafe, which would be like maybe the Hard Rock Cafe, but with Moonrocks, but with the moon instead of. Uh, You know, uh, uh, Pete Town,
1: Roger Daltrey, but but so the Hard Rock Cafe tries to get you in there by putting up a bunch of jackets, yeah, and dumb things. The Moon Rock
0: Cafe would just have the one Moon Rock, and it's a pebble. It's one point. What is it? One point two grams. It's you know, it's pretty underwhelming. Um, Maybe he would have other space themed stuff in them. But anyway, this apparently was displayed in the U.S. for enough time that this was substantiated that. It got out of Nicaragua somehow, into the hands of this guy who, the story goes, paid five to ten million dollars for it. So all the subsequent wheel, wheeling and dealing over these um, just hundreds of missing moon rocks now takes for granted that you can get a seven nice seven figure check hmm. for each one. Um, and most of what we know about this comes from a NASA Inspector General's agent. NASA has an Inspector General's office. Yep, their detective. Space detective Mm -hmm. is a man named, was in the late 90s, a man named Joseph Goodhines Jr. Didn't you get in trouble for calling a Terry Pratchett character a space detective? I
1: did. I said space detective, and then there was a lot of debate uh, about it. Whether you should
0: be killed. Well, no. It was one of those
1: fan service debates where they all were really mad about it, and then at the end concluded that, yeah, I guess he's a space detective.
0: Well, this dude really is a space detective. NASA has a group of people. I mean, most of their job is going after the big fish, which would be um Grip, graft grift embezzle embezzlers at at aerospace companies right. you know who at lockheed martin has decided to pad the deal by this much and and bought a and bought a Corvette, you know um so that's what their main job is but there's also he has more interesting stuff um there's a famous a lot of this color comes from a great article that a journalist named joe clock wrote for the Atavist in 2012 about good quixotic quixotic uh, quest mm-hmm. or quest as i guess you would say um <laughs> quixotic Kest. A chaotic Kest. Uh, he's, he tracks down this guy who's been impersonating an astronaut for years and even gets into mission control. He's like in front of the—he'll see the big board. He's just hanging out here telling people, oh, yeah, I was an astronaut, uh, top grade S1 back in the 60s. And it turns out he's just made up all this stuff. Seems and- like
1: they could just open a binder that was lying there on the desk.
0: Because I've been inside of mission control. The real one or the yeah. replica one in Florida? Both. I've only been in the replica one.
1: Oh, no, the, there's the there's the original real one in Houston, and then the, the one that's operating now and talking to the ISS, I've been in both
0: of them. Oh, I've only been in the the tourist one at Cape at, uh, Canaveral. No, can well, I went to the real deal and
1: sat there and pushed all the
0: buttons. If you're in Houston, I know we talk about how terrible your city and its cheating baseball team is, but if you'd like to give me a— tour of the Johnson Space Center. Take us both, again,
1: because then I could walk Ken around and be like, oh, no, 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 look over Don't here. Don't use this
0: candy machine. No. This, this one's always yeah. out of Snickers. Uh,
1: the last time I was here, uh, yeah, I sat in this chair.
0: <laughs> this plant's not doing so well. Uh, the um, So apparently, it's a plot point in For All Mankind that security's not great at the Johnson Space Center, and apparently that is true in real life because <laughs> a lot of his job was, you know, finding these grifters and impersonators. And a lot of the grift had to do with moon material and fake moon material people would just sell any old dust or desert rocks and claim that they were moon rocks and um but there would be no way for moon rocks to get out
1: so all of that there was
0: no legit like people brought back a ton of stuff on their on their stuff so all it takes is i think a lot of the speculation about this is it was just some functionary at nasa just pocketing you know, uh, scooping some dust into their hand off of a table and being like, lol, I've got some moon dust. But it would only... And at some point their kid is like, hey, how much do you think that's worth?
1: It would only be useful if there was like a documented provenance, right? You can't just be like, oh, I used to work at NASA and here's Except some
0: dust. If you're selling to some shady private collector or Saudi oil guy, you know, like maybe it's understood that there's no way to, to prove it. And a lot of it is not, is happening at lower levels. It's like, hey, buddy. You know, you own the biggest Mercury dealership in town. You know what? My dad has a moon rock. Or does he? So there's this whole trade going on, and it's not a priority for his bosses. But this good Heinz guy really gets a bee in his bonnet about about this trade in moon rocks. He decides to put in, and he starts to do the work. Uh, Later in his career, he ends up teaching at um, a for-profit university and then a... uh, Are there non-profit universities? Like, what do you call the ones that are like he's teaching at University of Phoenix? Basically. Oh, I see. Okay, Trump and, University. Yeah, he's teaching at Trump University. He's teaching at University of Phoenix, he's a phone back of the phone book kind of university, right. and and a community college, the nearby community college. He's teaching criminal justice. Now he has a bunch of kids. He can like say, "Hey, let's make this a project." Um, and they're the ones. They're the reason we have this count of like what's gone missing and what's still around. Um, but. Uh, so is there like a cooler somewhere where the authentic
1: moon rocks are just sitting there, like in safe deposit boxes?
0: Well, sure. NASA has storage facilities.
1: Yeah, but what are they doing with them?
0: And just sitting on shelves? And in a lot of the cases, the yeah, it's rid right as the lost rock. A lot, And a lot of the ones that were given to governments, even the governments still have them, sometimes they're not on display. Right. A lot of them are. You know, China's is in the whatever science, mu- Museum of Glorious Revolutionary Science in Pe- Beijing or wherever it is. Uh, you know, otherwise, you know, the the big observatory has it, but a lot of times they're just kind of in rundown displays. And in many cases, the, they are in possession of the museum or the observatory or whatever, but they're just in a vault somewhere yeah. or in the director's drawer or, you know, we've indexed this as number, you know, it's Raiders of the Lost arc. We've indexed this as 18602, but, you know, who knows where it is? We'll, we'll have to get into the paper files and those never got digitized and nobody's looked at them since 2006. and. So, um, so he, with these students, he kind of organizes this, um, let's find, let's figure out what happened to the Moon Rocks, uh, uh, task force. And one idea he has is to place an ad in USA Today. Moon Rocks wanted, you know, he's going to pose as a collector. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: this is like Chris Daniels.
0: Yes. And this actually works. The, the most of this Joe clock article follows the attempt to track down the missing honduran moon rock which apparently a following some coup a colonel we meet a guy named rosen who's a procurer for an american fruit juice company so he's tramping around honduras looking for the the plumpest guavas or whatever Mm -hmm. if you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and uh some guy who's an ex colonel in the previous regime is like hey you know when that lopez guy got forced out he had given me the moon rock yeah sure he did and I've got it, like, and I've I've started to hear this thing might be worth like a ton of money. This guy's just a fruit buyer, but he's like, oh boy, the Honduran moon rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, well, I can get together ten thousand dollars now, and maybe I can, maybe I can get together like fifty thousand more. And in the end, he can't. In the end, he can get together five thousand more, but he still ends up meeting this ex-Honduran military colonel at a Denny's by the Miami airport, and he's like, sorry, out. I only have five thousand. And Colonel whoever is like. Yeah. Okay. What? Really? So suddenly, our boy Rosen has a Honduran moon rock that he thinks he can get five million for. Yeah. Um. And this is the and he's the guy that reaches. He sees the ad in USA Today and reaches out and says, "Hey, you know, I, a couple of years ago, I actually tracked down the one from Honduras." And so then this becomes a whole sting operation where he says, "I want the five million that the that the Nicaraguans got," and Good Heinz. Is still at NASA at this point, but he does not have five million dollars. NASA mm-hmm. does not want to throw a five million dollar briefcase at this at this quixotic quest. Um, he's working with some other agent because mail fraud may be involved. So he's working for some other kind of postal inspector general guy, and that guy's agency does have five million. But you know what? They don't care about the hon- The Honduran moon rock. So nobody will pony up the briefcase of cash necessary to to get back this this one of a kind treasure.
1: Now, why do they want it back? Because they had given it away, they said that they'd given it away freely, right? So this was, well, I mean, this...
0: This is all just one guy, one kind of eccentric law enforcement guy's white right. whale.
1: It's like that guy in Andor who who is just like, I'm going to catch this
0: guy. Yes. Or yeah. the, the guy in every serial killer movie right. who's like, your is a moved you another case, um, Callahan. Well, I'm still going to get the Zodiac, you know? Uh, I, apparently that's him. And if you need $5 million, and it's the late 90s, where do you go? He remembers his— Noriega.
1: Wait a minute. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Noriega's got his own moon rock at this point. Um, I mean, it's interesting to—well, let me finish this story, because it, it's insane. He remembers his Marine father talking about, you know who's a good patriot and has a ton of money, is the guy that was running electronic data systems in 1979 when the those guys got taken by the by the Iranian— whatever, you know, some yeah. hostage situation. This is the guy that put up the money and got on the plane and got them out. You need to call Ross this. Perot. That's exactly right. No, really? Yes. He calls the CEO of EDS and says, hey, this is kind of weird, but um, uh, uh, NASA Moonrock has gone missing. I know where it is, but I need $5 million. This seems like exactly the kind of patriotic quest that you're, s-. and a half an hour later, he gets a phone call and it's like, uh, Joseph, this is H. Ross Perot. <laughs> 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 and Perot will absolutely give him a five million dollar briefcase in order to get this guy. Wow, one hundred percent. So there's a meeting at another Denny's, probably, yeah. and uh, the guy, um, the guy's nervous, but he's you know he sees the money and he says, "Okay, let's do the deal." And at that point, the warrants come out, and Rose and apparently Mr. Fruit just almost looks relieved. Like, why? Why did I ever get involved in this? It's the curse of the moon rock. And, but what do you do with the moon? You know, what are the legal issues involved? This somehow winds up in a Florida district court. United States of America versus one lucite ball containing lunar material, one moon rock, and one 10-inch by 14-inch wooden plaque. Wait, it's versus? The- this is the name of the case. The Bush administration is suing
1: the, rock, the itself? rock
0: itself. I think the idea is we don't want to go after Rosen, but right. we don't understand the legal issues involved. Some attorney should write in and tell me why uh, an inanimate object of extraterrestrial origin, by the way, Right. Except for the plaque is is the defendant in the case. Um, But uh, yeah, the judge kind of finds, you know, Rosen's not, you know, Rosen never does any time or anything. But uh, there actually is a court case to determine what's going to happen to this rock. I believe it's returned to Honduras Honduras at one point. But it's like, you know, the U.S. government re-extends it as a as a goodwill gesture and rosen doesn't get his five million he's out five thousand bucks plus legal fees that's right he's he's out whatever he gave to the the mysterious colonel in the jungle wow um, so look kids this is why we can't tax the rich don't trade in moon rocks also fakes are easy to uh, to spot it turns out because the moon has no atmosphere so the second you see anything oxidized in your rock you know you just take it to any university and you know right some junior college guy could could chip a bit off and be like nope that's oxidized iron this is not moon rock
1: now what about meteorites they're also worth a lot of money yes and they're much more
0: common right yeah and i believe there's no prohibition against selling or trading those so those pass beneath the notice of our of our hardy perhaps mustachioed space detective um
1: but i want to know how a us district court in florida can declare that the Honduran Moonrock plaque, which was freely given and then stolen by a colonel and then sold in a Denny's to a fruit broker, is itself culpable in its own
0: theft. Let's see. The the, the issue with the case is the U.S. seeking civil forfeiture. Right. Oh, I see. It's like one of these drug fees. The- I guess the thing thieves. they could have got after Rosen for—and this is what they were trying to get him to say when they were— when the feds were cozying up to him, was like, how did this get into the country? Because mm. that's the violation, basically. Mm. You smuggled in contraband into the U.S. So basically, I guess they need the court to make the ruling that this can be legally forfeited from this Rosen guy. And then I guess the disposition of it can be um, at the whim of the court system. I see. The U.S. government.
1: This was at a time when we were seizing a lot of stuff coming in from Honduras.
0: But few few moon rocks. I mean, it's true. A lot of, a lot of powders. But uh, but but none that was actual extraterrestrial dust. So, um, over the years, Guth has found, has been able to trace quite a bit of what happened. I mean, a lot of the problems you were giving, as we've gestured to, a lot of these were given as gifts to Muammar Gaddafi. Right. You know, there's been a lot of turmoil. That one's gone. So, not the nation of Libya, but, like, given to the head of state? Well, the thing says it's been given to... The head of state, you know, the, I guess it says presented to the people of the kingdom of Norway, but in practice that meant let's give it to a U.S. ambassador. He'll get an audience with the governor general of Canada or the king of the queen of the Netherlands or whatever it is. Um, one, the one that Ceausescu got, since you mentioned him, actually wound up in an estate sale after his death. There's, there's a record that, because nobody really knew about this stuff until Guthein started in the 21st century. A retired Guthein started making it a, a community college extra credit project. Um, and then people were able to find a record of, well, it looks like Ceausescu's was sold in an estate sale after, you know, Romania went belly up. Um, Franco's grandson said his mom had it for a long time, but it, but she then sold it. Um, in many cases, uh, there's documented theft. Uh, Cyprus is an interesting one in 1974, just at the time that these are going out. Um, I think maybe the same month that the Moon Rocks are going out, a, a U.S.-backed Greek coup, right-wing coup in Cyprus, leads to a Turkish invasion in Cyprus, leading to the partition, partition. we have today. Um, and in fact, the following month, the, the killing of the U.S. ambassador, the U.S. ambassador is killed. So not only is there is the guy we gave the Moon Rock to um, in a body bag... It's not clear what government to send it to. So the Cyprus one never even made it there for for boring geopolitical reasons.
1: It's still sitting in a in a State Department file
0: cabinet somewhere? One would only assume. Um there was a fire at the Dublin observatory that held Ireland's uh moon rock, which means that uh And then the Moon Rock birthed a dragon. <laughs> Gutheinz's boys and girls at uh you know, his how to get away with murder gang at, at some community college in Arizona have been able to trace that one down to the exact landfill where it is. The fingerless landfill outside Dublin. No way. Somewhere under millions of tons of trash might have a $5 million. It does have an Irish moon rock that might be worth $5 million. This is like that guy that threw away the disk drive full of Bitcoin. It's exactly like Bitcoin, except you'd get a moon rock instead, uh. of, instead of something that doesn't exist. You can't forget the password to a, to a moon rock. Um, the U.S. states, even many of the state ones are gone. Whoa. Washington's, I'm happy to hear, is in the um, Historical Society in Tacoma, Okay, where I've never been. Oh, it's good. And I believe it's on display. I've been to the Oregon one, but I don't think they have the moon rock. Um, the Alaska case is very interesting because it turned into uh, one of the captains from Deadliest Catch, a guy named Coleman Anderson, turned up with the moon rock and was trying to was trying to find a buyer for it. How the and it, hell did he get it? Well, it turned out he was the stepson of a guy who used to work at the Capitol who had some crazy story about the building burning down. And uh, let me see. They were displayed in 1969. Wait a minute, 69? That can't be right. Oh, the Apollo, sorry, the Apollo 11 one from 69. No. The Apollo 17 one. Never got to the museum. The museum there was a Anchorage Museum, an arson at the at some Anchorage Science Museum in 1973, which hmm. you no doubt remember. Oh yeah. Um, and this a guy had uh, a, a, a low it turned up at a local aviation museum, and the curator there said um, he had found it in a f- he had found it in a fire. Uh, no, wait, no. The only aviation museum I can think of is there's one on
1: Lake Hood that's, that used to be really prominently visible from the road to the airport that just had like this total jumble of old fighter planes kind of all on top of each other. It was basically just a shack. I can't think of another aviation museum in Anchorage.
0: It was a transportation museum. I guess that's one way to think of spaceships. Mm. (laughs) So it's right (laughs) there next to a covered wagon. Yeah. There's a moon rock, a local guy named Phil Redden curated it. I wonder, they, I guess they had taken a tour of Alaska and then somehow his little museum wound up with it. Um, it was arson in that museum that destroyed everything. Oh, And I guess it's his ne'er-do-well stepson who went on to become the deadliest catch King Crab captain um, who says he went to help his dad clean up the debris and found it in the rubble. Um, other museum staff said they actually saw it reload, saw the, um, the uh, moon rock displayed after the fire, and Coleman Anderson apparently just walked out with it at some point. Um, so then it turned into a whole legal case. It's now been returned to the people of Alaska. Thank goodness. You'll be happy to hear. The
1: people of Alaska have suffered enough.
0: The BBC article I read about this really makes a point of how ugly the things are. Like, really, you're going to pay a million dollars for this art object that's just a, uh, like, the, like, they talked to an art. Gallerista, who gallerina, who's basically like you, like what you're going to display that thing, like (laughs) hard pass. But
1: you know, the Saudis have a very different sense of of
0: style, right? And it's just what it symbolizes, and and the fact that nobody can have it. It's like it's like having a American Express Platinum or Obsidian card or whatever. You know, you you've got a thing that people say you can't have, including governments.
1: What do you think the chances are that a futureling is going to put one of these in the mail and send it to us and we're going to have Uzbekistan's moon rock
0: here in the bunker? That would be the dream. We can promise you legal amnesty. If you send us uh, the Swaziland moon rock, because your uncle got it through some misbegotten means. uh, We
1: almost certainly will not turn around and try to sell it. Immediately,
0: we will not notify the authorities. We'll put um, it on
1: the wall here. It'll just be one more decorative element.
0: We'll put pictures of it on the patreon so everyone can enjoy it mm-hmm. who has who has chipped in
1: There's a lot of wood paneling in this basement already
0: <laughs> it would it would blend in yeah. down here actually um, but there's hundreds of these still missing, both foreign and domestic. It just seems like one of those i mean y- you've got
1: those those uh dumb dums driving around the south in their truck looking for old rusty road signs there has to be and all the art thieves and all the global like people looking for wax cylinders yeah. with blues
0: music on it like
1: like how is there not a subculture of people traveling the world it it feels like these would actually be really easy to find cuz they do they they are going to be in like the living room of a retired undersecretary of the interior.
0: Exactly. Uh, if you, yeah, if, if you know about the shadowy demimond of, of moonrock trading, we would like to know more. I think it's funny that they're called the Goodwill Moonrocks, and today you might actually find one in a Goodwill. And that concludes the Goodwill Moonrocks.
1: Entry 539.JB 1804. Certificate number 25614 in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that you have a moon rock in your basement, as I said earlier, please send it to us at P.O. Box 55744 Shoreline, Washington 98155. If social media still exists in your era, seems like increasingly less likely unless you are... Uh, Unless you're, Unless you're like uh, on have you,
0: parlor. Have you been a guest on the Joe Rogan podcast? You may still be on Twitter. Uh, for,
1: the sh- for the short term, you can find us on social media, although I would recommend that you read a book. Um, you can look for Ken at Ken Jennings, at Omnibus Project, at John Roderick, etc., Roderick, etc. You can email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com if you want to send us an email and say, hey, I've got one of these moon rocks. Is it cool if I send it to your address, P.O. Box 55744 Shoreline, Washington, 98155? We will surely say yes. You can hang out with other futurelings. Well, hold on,
0: hold on. If you're talking oh, about the mail. Oh, yeah, you've got some mail over Nobody there. sent us moon rocks, but this is interesting. Uh, uh, my uh, my friend Fritz Holtznagel, a... Um, I think he's still a Google employee, former Jeopardy champion, world's foremost expert on the Jeopardy buzzer, hmm. uh, enjoyed the recent Lem Billings episode. He sent us a postcard. This is appropriate with uh, a, a picture of the now declassified bunker that you can tour at Greenbrier a Resort in West Virginia. It's, a, it's an old Cold War fallout shelter. Um, oh, this was once a relocation facility for this was Mount Thunder or whatever they call it. This is where you send Congress. Um, and the bunker can now be toured. That's interesting. Did you know there was one of these in West Virginia? I it, sure didn't. Yeah, I did. It's in a, it's in some fancy resort now.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's in a
0: hotel. It was where Congress was supposed That's to be. That's exactly right. Anyway, we now have a postcard of said bunker from Fritz. Uh, apparently, in the Lem Billings entry, I kind of dissed... Uh, President Kennedy by saying, I prefer sailors whose boats didn't sink.
1: Wow. Tough talk.
0: Tough talk. He says, uh, a, bit of a Trump callback Fritz says that JFK actually had his own joke on the same topic. Um, when asked throughout his political career to explain how he became a war hero, Kennedy said it was involuntary. They sank my boat. So, you know, he did the same joke, basically. They sank
1: my battleship.
0: Oh no, maybe he's not at Google anymore. Cause this is coming from, from Boston. But you can
1: uh, live anywhere and work anywhere now.
0: It's true. It's true. And
1: I bet you Google employs like eight hundred people in Boston, and we just didn't know it. Because you know, the, uh, it's kind of a big college town.
0: Thanks, Fritz. I didn't know he listened to the. Uh, I didn't know he listened to the Omnibus. But like many smart people, apparently he never misses one.
1: If you are unable to send us a moon rock, there are other ways that you can support the production of Omnibus. Uh, the best way is to go to patreon.com slash omnibus project and pledge a small amount of money to help keep the show on the air. Beyond the good
0: feeling you'll get from supporting your favorite uh, pan chronological research project, you'll get amazing perks undreamed of by most listeners. When we do get our moon rock, should we break it up into, should we break, you know, they've already broken that break up into hundreds of little crumbs should we break up our crumb into 1200 pieces and give one uh, a tiny molecule to each patreon donor
1: i feel like if we break it up into tiny pieces we should sell each one to a saudi investor for five million dollars because it seems like the five to ten million dollars isn't like contingent on how big it's
0: not size relevant at all yeah
1: yeah why would you sell a two ounce rock when you could sell
0: 10.2 ounce rocks Exactly right. Question mark, question mark, question mark, Profit. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. I hope the moon never crashes into the earth. And then we find out it was hollow and filled with um, raccoons or whatever.
1: Well, spending time on social media right now, I'm kind of anxious for the moon to crash into the Earth. You
0: You want the space raccoons to finish us off? Let's just speed the collapse. We had it coming. Burn it down. If John is correct and the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.